the ambassador club has had it thrown at him like a ticking time bomb from a speeding car. At least that's what his dad's cousin, kind regards, had told him five years ago. And that's how it still felt today. Hitting the light switch on the club's main hall, Frankie breathed in the stale smell of smoke, chalk and beer as he listened to the tink-tink of the strip lights flickering into life above the twelve tables. He sighed. The hall's worn carpet was scuffed and stained and its walls and ceiling were patchy with damp. Two of the frosted plate glass windows overlooking the street had been cracked by some passing pissheads a few weeks ago and he still hadn't gotten round to fixing them. Drumming his fingers along the edges of the tables as he walked to the bar, he was almost glad his dad wasn't there to see it. After his dad had been banged up and Frankie had first taken over managing the club, he'd hoped to turn its fortunes around. Easier said than done. He'd hit the same old chicken and egg problem the old man had. The only way to make enough money to tart the place up was to bring in more punters, but the only way to bring in more punters was to tart the fucking place up. Frankie's dad, Bernie, had taken out a 30-year lease on the club over 10 years ago, back in 84, after winning big on the horses. His plan had been to put it on the map, make it a hub for the game here in the West End. But he'd always come up short. End result was that Frankie and his brother Jack had hung out here pretty much full-time in their teens when they weren't in school, being babysat by staff while their mum and dad had gone out doing other jobs to make ends meet, managing brewery pubs or running van loads of tax-free cigarettes and booze back on the ferries from France. Not that Frankie had minded. None of the rented houses they'd lived in at the time had ever felt as much like home as here. Frankie loved it. Soho, the club, the people the free lemonades and crisps, and of course the snooker. He got the bug for it the instant he picked up a cue. Hadn't been a day gone by since when he hadn't fitted in a few frames. He checked his watch. Still too early to go cap in hand to Daniel Listerman about the rent. Listerman was Tommy Riley's lawyer, and Riley was the big-time gangster bastard who owned the freehold on this building along with the rest of the street. Listerman, the lawyer, was an early riser. Some said he never slept at all. But turning up this early at his swanky Beak Street office would only make Frankie look even more desperate and skint than he was. Might as well make himself useful here first. He changed out of his suit in the storeroom, coming back out in tatty blue overalls and black rubber boots, with earphones in, a Sony Discman clipped to his belt, and a bucket of warm soapy water and a mop in his fists. He'd had to let the club's regular cleaner go a month back, not having enough money to pay her. It didn't bother him that much, to tell the truth, apart from the Carsies, especially the gents. What the hell was wrong with blokes, anyway? Why couldn't a single bloody one of them manage to piss in a straight line? He cleaned the bogs first to get them out of the way, then the bar and the ashtrays, before starting on sweeping and mopping the floor. He worked his way round the tables in the same pattern he did every day. It somehow made it go faster, like doing circuits down the gym. He hummed as he worked. A Northern Soul compilation. Everyone was into Blur and Oasis these days, but he reckoned the old tunes were still the best. His dad had been a proper mod back in the day. There was a signed Small Faces LP up above the bar. Used to be a bang and all of some record player and a stack of Al Wilson and Jimmy Radcliffe singles back there as well. But Jack had pilfered the lot on his 19th birthday two years ago and flogged them down Berwick Street Market 
to pay for a night on the Raz. Frankie hadn't forgiven him, the little shit. Him and Jack had used to listen to those records as kids, dancing and larking about. They should have been more to him than just some quick cash. Frankie remembered coming down here one night when his mum and dad were still together and seeing them slowly dancing round the empty club. He couldn't believe how fucked up his family life had got since then. His mum had gone missing in 88, just after Frankie had turned 16. A year after, her and his dad had started living apart, her at their rented house, and him here in the flat above the club. She'd just vanished when Frankie and Jack had both been at school. No sign of a struggle, nothing. Just gone. Everyone else, Frankie's father, Jack and the cops, all reckoned that Priscilla James wasn't just missing. She was dead. Why else wouldn't she have come back? Or at least contacted them? But Frankie...